welcome you again. If you're worshiping here uh, with us right in this room, or if you're following us by live stream, I want to welcome you too. Uh, before I get started with my sermon, I'm going to do something I don't know if I've ever done before. Uh, I'm, make, I'm making an official statement, and I'm doing so for a reason, because it's been a tough week for United Methodists. There's uh, a special call general conference. If you're visiting and a guest with us today, you may not understand and you may be confused and you might want to come and talk to me some more and I'll be glad for you to. Uh, but, but for us who have been following this and following it closely, and I really think that we have tried in every way that we knew how to have everybody be understanding this and on board with this for, for the last couple of months. And then, um, but this is, um, this is our response, uh, the, the staff and pastoral response to our uh, family. I want to share this with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of share right from the letter that I wrote. And the reason I'm doing that is because this is what I shared in the other services. And this is what is going to go out to everybody who has an email that we have an email for you. This is going to go out so that the people that didn't get to come today uh, will get to hear this too. Um, so let me just go with it. Let me start by saying what an honor it is to be in ministry here with you at Gaston First United Methodist Church. And the more that I get to know you, the more I love being your pastor. It is a joy to be able to work with a group of talented and dedicated people on staff here and gifted lay leadership. I thank God every day that I get to do what I love to do and what God has called me to do in this amazing place right here. As you know, this, has been a, this past week has been a difficult one for United Methodists around the world. Uh, after years of prayerful work, United Methodists from around the world gathered in St. Louis for a special called General Conference, February 23rd through the 26th. For four days spent at the General Conference were very arduous. Imagine the task of trying to bring a global and diverse group of people to agreement on a topic that is as complicated and diverse as human sexuality. But that was the task of those 864 delegates, and after four days of praying and talking and debating and conferencing, uh, this was the result. The traditional plan was passed 53% to 47%. The traditional plan maintains the existing language in the United Methodist Book of Discipline in regards to human sexuality. In addition to maintaining the existing language, amendments were passed that would enhance disciplinary measures for clergy and churches who violate the provisions that are in place in the Book of Discipline, and an altered and clarified process for local churches desiring to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church, and a process concerning pension liability for churches to disaffiliate and a revision of the clergy retirement security program for clergy who changed their relationship with the United Methodist Church. Uh, Bishop Wallace Padgett and a panel made up of delegates from the Special General Conference did a pretty good job yesterday uh, in a meeting that was held at Clear Branch United Methodist Church to present all of this to us. Uh, I was there for the clergy and for the lay meeting. Uh, uh, Donnie was there and Alan Ross was there. So um, if you have questions after this, you can, can talk with us. But um, they tried to present this the best as they could. Um, if you need to know more about it, come, come by my office and, and we'll talk. And, and I'll try to do the best I can to, to answer your questions. 
Anything beyond that, I'll refer back to Andy. <laughs> so what everybody wants to know is where do we go from here? Uh, how does this affect Gadsden First United Methodist Church? How does it affect our denomination as a whole? Uh, these were the questions that our bishop tried to address with clergy and laity yesterday. Uh, some of the amendments that were that were placed uh, with, along with the traditional plan were, that were passed were in violation of our church, our denomination's constitution. If you're wondering what the constitution is, it's the, like the first 60 paragraphs in the Book of Discipline. And so some of the amendments were, were they wondered about their constitutionality and to address whether or not they're constitutional, the, judici the Judicial Council uh, is meeting in April to determine whether or not those amendments are constitutional and can be added and put into effect. And so bottom line is it may be some time before we know the full effects of this general conference. Um, so we will have to wait and see for some things. Um, and I will do my best to keep you informed every step of the way there will be some who were glad that the traditional plan passed and are happy that the current wording has remained unchanged. There will be others who are hurt and maybe a little angry that a more inclusive option was not passed. And there will be others uh, that are just confused over the whole thing and need more information. I want you to know in no uncertain terms that your pastors love all three of these groups, whether you are traditionalist, whether you're progressive, whether you're centrist, or whether you're just dazed and confused, we love you, and we want to stand with you and walk with you through all of this. And I also want you to know that uh, wherever you fall in your opinions on all these issues, know that there may be people around you that are hurting right now, and be sensitive to that. There may be people that are grieving right now, and be sensitive to that. Because when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. So we might disagree on this and other issues, but what I have found here at Gaston First United Methodist Church is a church that has a long history of not just coexisting with people who have differing views on the issues, but working together with those same people for a common mission. I think this is what John Wesley intended in his sermon called The Catholic Spirit. He used a text from 2 Kings 10 that said this, is your heart right as my heart is toward you? If it is, give me your hand. He went on to say, I do not mean be of my opinion. You need not. I do not expect or desire it. Neither do I mean I will be of your opinion. I cannot. You need not even to endeavor to come over to me, nor to bring me over to you. Let all opinions alone on one side or the other, only give me your hand. So I think when Gaston first joins hands together to see lives change through sharing Christ, making disciples, serving and giving hope, when we join hands to do that, then great things can happen for the kingdom of God. And that's where my heart is. And this is what my prayer is, that we can continue to keep doing what our mission statement says that we're here to do. This is also where my heart is. And this is not only 
my prayer and my commitment, but the prayer and the commitment of the entire Gaston First United Methodist Church ministry staff. We have talked and prayed about this at length. My heart and my prayer is that our church will be a welcoming and inclusive place for all God's children, regardless of the color of their skin, their politics and preferences, or their sexual orientation. May the Lord bless you and keep you. So this is the last in our series of praying as Jesus taught us. The last in our series on the Lord's Prayer. We've spent a whole month on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to turn back over there again this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Where Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I figured since we're ending up this series on prayer, I would share with you one of my own prayers. And I've included it in your outline, by the way, if you want to follow along with it. If not, just listen to it. This is kind of how it went. Dear Lord... So far today, I'm doing all right. I have not gossiped or lost my temper. I have not been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, complained, cursed, or eaten any chocolate donuts. I have not made any frivolous charges on my credit card. But in a minute, I'll be getting out of bed, and I think I'll really need your help. Amen. Because I do need the Lord's help. Lord knows I need the Lord's help. So we've been spending all month on the Lord's Prayer, and we've, we've turned our attention to the Heavenly Father, and we've said, Lord, hallowed be your name, and we prayed for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We prayed for God to give us each day our daily bread and to provide for us. Last week, we asked for God to forgive us. We asked for forgiveness for ourselves but also to help us to forgive those people who had trespassed against us, those who had hurt us, those who had diminished us in any way. Wow, what a big request that is. What a huge need that is. Isn't it great that we are praying to a God that's bigger than all of our needs? Today we're going to focus on another really big need. The phrase goes like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one, according to your translation. See, we have a tendency to kind of roll right by the first part of that phrase and get right to evil and temptation. That's, that's all the fun stuff, right? The evil and the temptation. I want us to back up and just stop for a second on the very first two words. Lead us. Lead us. That's what we really need. That's what I really need. That's what you really need. That's so important. It's so important that I want you to say it out loud with me. I'm going to count to three, and I want you with all the gusto and verve you can muster up to say, lead us. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Lead us. Wow, y'all, I think y'all, I think they need that. Yeah. Yes, Lord, lead us, because we need you to lead us. We want to be your disciples. We want to follow you. Lead us. Lead us as a church, Lord. Lead us as a denomination, Lord. Lead us. 
We need you. Without you, we're not going to make it. Lead us. But in order for this to take place, if this is going to work at all, then there are going to have to be a couple of things that have to happen. Number one is this. Before any of us can be led by the Lord, we must acknowledge that we could be wrong, that we do actually need leading. Several years ago, I had the privilege of going to the Academy for Spiritual Formation. What a great experience that is. I, I put a little link on your outline there. If you want to know some more information, go to um, the Upper Room website, and you can find out about these wonderful academies that are offered. This one was at Camp Simitonga. They have them all over. It's, it's, like a, it's like having a growth spurt in your spiritual life to go to one of these academies. But when I went to, one of the teachers was a, uh, an Episcopal bishop in the Alabama Diocese named Keith Sloan. And I had never met him before, didn't know who he was, but he was a great teacher, and he was one of the best storytellers I have ever heard. He told a story that week that I'll never forget about a, a young man who was mentally challenged named Leonard. He met Leonard at a summer camp for mentally challenged young adults over in Mississippi, where he was from. And when he started talking about special camps, my ears perked right up because I have worked special camp at Camp Sumatonga, a camp for our young adults with mental challenges and physical challenges. And I want to tell you what special camp is like. Special camp is doing everything that you do during elementary camp. I'm talking arts and crafts and singing, hiking up to the cross, swimming, canoeing, making s'mores. You do all of that with these young adults that have mental and physical challenges. Some days you're wanting to shout hallelujah, some days you want to go and cry, and some days you want to run out through the woods screaming. But that's special camp. So special camp for Key is over in Mississippi, and they have been having a good week so far. Now we're getting toward the end of the week, and as all church camps do, when you get toward the end of the week, there starts to be a little bit of romance in the air, and this was no different. And there was some romance going on between Leonard and Daisy. And so they were at one of the last nights and at the bonfire, they sang their camp songs, everybody was happy. And then Keith looked at everybody and said, all right, everybody, now we're all gonna go to the cafeteria for milk and cookies. Milk and cookies, yay, everybody is so excited. That kind of gets me a little excited now, thinking about it now. Milk and cookies. So. They all start headed to the cafeteria. Key and the rest of the counselors are standing by the bonfire. And on the way they're going, and about halfway between the bonfire and the cafeteria, uh, Leonard and Daisy come to a stop and let the other campers go. And they're watching, they can see that they're discussing something. And then Leonard turns and starts walking back to Key and the other camp counselors by the bonfire. And Leonard comes up and says this. Preacher Key? Yes, Leonard. Preacher Key, I need to talk to you about something. Well, what is it, Leonard? What do you need to talk about? Preacher Key, um, I want to go over there behind the chapel so I can smooch with my girl. <laughs> well, he didn't know what to say. Um, and so he just said the first thing that came to his mind. But Leonard, you'll miss milk and cookies. <laughs> Nevertheless, he finally said this. He said, 
Leonard, I just don't think that's a good idea, man. So Leonard, head drooped down, turns around, starts walking back to Daisy. And they're all watching him, you know. He gets back to Daisy. They see him telling the bad news to Daisy. And Daisy does not take the news well. They can tell by her body language that she is upset and she is using her hands to tell him in no uncertain whatever it is she's telling him. And then they say, Leonard, turn around, and now he's coming back to the bonfire and he and all of the other counselors. And they're all wondering what in the world he's going to say when he gets there, right? So he comes up and he says this, Preacher Keith, you could be wrong. And Keith says that it just hits him at that moment. You know, he's right. I could be wrong. I could be wrong because, you know, these, these young people have, uh, they have some mental challenges, but they are young adults. And I really could have done a better job treating Leonard with the dignity that he should have been treated with. And so he looked at Leonard and he said, Leonard, I'm going to tell you what. You and Daisy got five minutes to go back behind the chapel, and after that, we're coming to get you. Thank you, Preacher Key, and off he goes, you know. Preacher Key, you could be wrong. Preacher Sam, you could be wrong. You see, we could be wrong. That's why we need to be led. We're sheep, and we need a shepherd. All through the Bible, you read that over and over again. It's the great theme, the great image in the Bible that God is the shepherd. We're sheep. You remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me. He leadeth me beside still waters. We're sheep. God's the shepherd. Why sheep? Why not, I don't know, lions or German shepherds or something cool like that? We're sheep for a reason. We're sheep because sheep are just not very bright. We're sheep because sheep are not fierce at all and can't protect themselves. We're sheep because we have a tendency to go astray. Isaiah writes a beautiful and haunting description of the suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53. We've heard these words in music and we've heard them uh, read and we've heard it was preached on Isaiah 53 5 but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds we are healed the description of the Messiah that is coming for us and as if to ask, answer the question why in the world would we need a Messiah anyway verse 6 goes on to say here's the reason we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way we all, we all, not all y'all, we all have gone astray. We all need someone to lead us. Left to our own devices, we end up in all kinds of messes. I do, and you do too. And so I say, lead me, Lord. Lead me. The next thing is, is if the Lord is going to lead us, if this is going to work at all, then the positioning has to be right, right? He has to be first. And then we have to follow him. Because saying, lead us, 
implies that we're willing to follow, right? It implies that we're actually willing to follow. He leads, we follow. That's how the relationship works. Now, when I say to you something like, put Christ first and follow him, I know that that sounds a lot like just preacher talk, unless I tell you what I mean when I say that. So here's what I mean when I say, put Christ first and follow him. I mean, when I say that, I mean to stay on mission. To stay on mission, because we can and we do get distracted from mission. On your bulletin, I want to just ask you to take this thing out and then look at the front of it. Look at the front of this piece of paper that you have. Unless you have already put, taken your chewing gum out and mashed it in there, take it, open it up, and look at the front of it with me, okay? This is everywhere. It's, it's, it's on our church sign. It's on the back of the church bus. It's on our bulletins everywhere. And I want you to read this out loud to me, what our mission is. Ready? Have you found it? Let's go. The people of Gaston First United Methodist Church, changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. That's what I mean when I say stay on mission. Because to have Jesus be in front means that we are following. When we say this is our mission, what we're saying is this is what defines who we are. This is what defines who we are. Not a paragraph in the book of discipline, not anything else. This is what our mission is. So when we put Christ first, that's what our statement says. It starts by saying share Christ and making disciples. It's a picture of what we want to do. We want God, we want in Jesus Christ to lead us. We want to be disciples. Disciples follow their teachers. That's the way it works. So the second thing is when I say put Christ first and to follow him, I mean loving one another as Jesus loved. Loving one another as Jesus loved. Did you know that in Jesus' day there were 613 commandments? 613. Can you imagine how impossible it would be to keep up with 613 commandments? That's what the Pharisees and the experts in the law tried to do. They would even argue over which one was the best. They came up to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, which one's the top commandment? And Jesus didn't hesitate. You remember what he said in Matthew 22? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Kind of simplifies things when you look at it. Jesus was kind of an enigma to the experts of the law because they kind of had their rule book, you know. I, I know when you picture the Pharisees and, and the experts in the law and the Bible, you might picture them in a long robe with a beard and, and all of that. I picture them in a more contemporary way. I picture them with black and white striped shirts and a whistle around their neck and a rule book. Maybe I've watched too much football. I don't know. But they were following Jesus around everything that he did, ready to blow the whistle. Oh, is Jesus going to heal on the Sabbath? Oh, wait, we're going to have to blow the whistle if he does. And, you know, Jesus would look at them with a twinkle in his eye. And he would heal on the Sabbath. And they would blow the whistle and throw the flag. You know what I'm saying? Because what Jesus did is he put the ethic of love before anything else. 
He, he thought loving that person enough to heal them was more important than breaking the rules and the rule book. He was trying to show them he was trying to show them what God's love looked like embodied right there in front of them that loving and healing a person was the most important thing. So after Jesus went through this many times where the people who were following him around would whistle in the rule book, he simplified things for his followers even further. So he's, we've gotten down from 613 to 2. And then right before Jesus was going to be taken and arrested and taken away, he was giving final instructions to his disciples. And he said this in John chapter 15, this is my commandment. This is it, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's it. That's it. Could y'all just do that one thing? Could you love one another like I've loved you? love one another as Jesus has loved us if we are not actively doing that then we're not following Jesus love one another makes you kind of wonder what one another Jesus was talking about I mean which one of our other others have we got to love Jesus do we have to do we get do we have to love the one another's that kind of look like us and think like us and vote like us well yeah Follow Jesus is to love those one another's too. Do we, now this, this kind of makes me squirm, do we love the one another's that don't look like us and don't think like us and don't vote like us? I have to swallow hard and say, yeah, if I'm going to follow Jesus, i got to love those one another's too. So Lord, do I have to, do I have to love those folks that are have hurts and habits and hang-ups? Yep. How about the ones that have, have mental challenges and handicapping conditions and all kinds of things like that? Yeah. Those, those one another's too. Well, how about, I don't know, how about rednecks? Do I have to love the rednecks? Yeah. Do I have to love the Yankees? You know, they talk funny. Yeah, you gotta love them too. What about my LGBTQ neighbors? Are they my one another's too? At this point, I have to say, do you even have to ask? Of course, because Jesus wants us to love all of the one another's because that's how he loved. That's how he loved. That's how he loved us. Jesus had this incredible thing that he did when he walked on this earth. He would go up to ordinary looking people and he would look at them with love in his eyes. Some of y'all think, oh, that's so bad. He would go up to them with love in his eyes and he would say, come. Thank you. 
Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.